Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. Thank you so much for joining me, us, wherever you are in the world right now. My guest today is Sarah Kajawa. (laughs) Sarah's son, Adam, left his physical body in 2014. Adam's transition put Sarah on an intense healing journey of developing skills to help her heal and connect with her son, Adam. Sarah is a psychic medium who specializes in grief counseling. As she began to heal, she soon realized her son, Adam, had been by her side all along, helping her to orchestrate the signs and synchronicities like road signs for her to follow. Sarah and Adam created a Facebook group doing grief differently with Adam and Sarah. The primary focus of the group is to help others raise above their traumas by providing tools to help them in their grieving and to rewire their limiting beliefs about themselves and what is possible. This is her story and this is her passion. Sarah, thank you so much and welcome to Passion Harvest. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank I'm you. so excited to be on the show, for you to be on the show. This is going to be a great episode and I think um, so needed for so many people that are grieving or suffering. Yes. If you wouldn't mind, just, just if you feel comfortable, just to talk briefly about Adam's death. Okay, sure. And so six years ago, uh, Adam was killed uh, in an industrial accident on the work site on, on, on the oil field. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was about 13... 100 miles from my home. So we weren't contacted of his death until the following morning. And then then at that moment, my life spiraled out of control. And uh, it put me on this path of searching for him and understanding where he is in this present time in his spirit. So it took me on a path of learning how to communicate, how to grieve, how to grieve differently. Uh, you can't bypass the stages of grief. It's normal to go through the process of all of it. And by all means, everyone goes through all stages of grief in and out all over the place. It becomes a circus of emotions because when you have the death of a loved one, especially a child, it brings up to the surface everything you've endured in that lifetime with your child. First of all, I'm so sorry for your suffering and loss and for those who are in maybe in the first stages or who haven't experienced grief or what, what does it feel like? What is it? What is grief? What is grief? Grief. Grief. It's a, it's, it's like the whole, your sudden of your paradigm shift. It's like you walk out your front door and you don't recognize your yard. You look at yourself in the mirror and you don't even recognize yourself. There's such a split difference in your realities when you have the death of a child or a loved one, someone close to you. So it's rebuilding and regaining. And I spent most of my life worrying about him dying because at at birth, I felt he was going to have a short life. I didn't know how I was raised Catholic, which is a very um, guilt ridden religion. So I constantly worried and I didn't know how to transmute those energies into a positive. So worrying was my my default mechanism on how I could control, you know, um, the destiny that I saw for him. I didn't have these feelings with my daughter, so I knew it was different. Uh, and in turn, this was more of a soul knowing these nudges. And I had many nudges throughout his life. I just kept thinking that we dodged a bullet or bypassed it every time that, that there was some close encounter or something uh, came up in his life. And then, so it wasn't like it was, a soul knowing I knew he was going to have a short life. I didn't know how. I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't even want to go there because of the fears. Of and so the fears, of course, come up um, around the death of a child. That is like number one fear for a parent is to worry about their child, you know. And this whole journey of understanding why we're here, 
this whole journey of understanding and moving through life, bypassing, not even bypassing, you're transmuting your fears and self into self-empowerment. And so this is what my son has taught me by him being in the afterlife was that I needed to step into my own power, uh, that we each have our own soul's journey, that we have these soul agreements, these outlines, these understandings and teachings coming into our life. It's just that I was blinded. I want to say like amnesia, but many of us say it amnesia blinded by um, society's beliefs that were, you know, I, I took on. So I had to really, really reroute, work through those beliefs that were hindering me. It was a long, horrible process, but so worth it. And to understand that who I am and who he is, who he is and how that we were all so interconnected. And it's always been there around me, but I, I had this fear, like the veil was a fear of some sort. Mm -hmm. I thought that, you know, God was this older gentleman in a white beard <laughs> so sitting at the right hand so it's of Jesus. So it's like, I didn't understand the concepts deep enough. And so it was fear-based, meaning I was told not to question. So now I'm in a place of questioning everything. And it's, it must be, obviously it's a, a tragedy for you, but it must be comforting that you were able to connect with Adam in this way. And he's taught you all these incredible life lessons is losing. A, and, and, and he's in the non-physical, but losing a child, is that something you ever, I don't like the word get over. Is that something you can ever heal from? Um, I can't say you get over it. You change it. What I do is like the process of, I can talk to him at any time I want. So if there's a different relationship with him. Mm -hmm. But it's the point that the future that I had an attachment to is no longer there. What I thought how our life was going to pan out is not there. So that is difficult. And that feels that little bit of void there. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I really, really have to focus on keeping my vibration in a place where I feel connected, connected to source in a feel good place, or I can dip. I can't say I go into the grief because I've worked through that and processed it but it's, it's there. So it can easily go back into, Oh, he's not here anymore. Or he won't be able to celebrate X, Y, and Z, even though I can talk to him. So, and I know that this is something on a soul level, this was part of my plan. And I accept that I can feel it. I can feel it pulling me all along. It's interesting you say that. And I'd love to hear in a moment, your advice for people who are experiencing or suffering at the moment, but to keep your vibration high, and that sounds very um, new age, but to keep in a positive vibration or a positive mindset, you're much more able to connect with the non-physical mm -hmm. so they can meet you on some sort of level. So someone who is experiencing the loss of a child or a loved one and uh, suffering on their hands and knees in grief, what, what is your advice? Mm. Now we'll call it advice because my son's nickname was ad. So everything oh, okay. <laughs> I use in the group is ad, uh, capital A, capital D. Uh, the best, you have to go through the grief to get to the other side. You can't skirt around it. You can't numb it because grief will bring up everything from your lifetime. So it's all those would have, should have, could have. So you do need to go through it. If you need assistance, if you need therapy, if you need a counselor, by all means, you know, get, you know, outside help. Uh, the grief counseling that I do is more on the spiritual level of connecting with their spirit and helping you to understand your soul agreement with them, where they're at now to let go of those fears because a parent's fear or a, a, anyone who's lost someone very dear to them is that they're not safe, you know? And so you, we go through the process and see what is built up and why are they not wanting to deal with the grief, meaning let's get beyond the point of being stuck in that cycle, in that abyss. Yeah. Wonderful advice. And I know it's been a slow, it was a slow process for you to reconnect with Adam on the other side. Um, 
how did you learn how to do that? Or what, what, what's your method for people saying, I would like to connect with my loved ones? Obviously, they should come and see you, but aside from right? that. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I believed that you could communicate with the afterlife. That was huge for me. And I realized all those, you know how you can connect all those dots as you get through one stage and go, oh, now I know why this happened 10 years earlier, et cetera, et cetera. So I believed in communication with the afterlife. I had gone to a Teresa Caputo, Long Island Medium gallery reading just weeks before it had passed. So I was able to witness it firsthand, not just on television or YouTube, but to witness firsthand how these messages, these short messages that she gave in the gallery reading, how beneficial they were to these people and how it switched them completely to they're lost. No, they're not lost. They're continuing on. So I already had this belief and I know that was set up because of the way the timing of the tickets and getting to the function and who I went with and everything else. So I'm good at love. Uh, I love the synchronicities. I feel like my whole life is just, I think everyone's life is just one big synchronicity. And that um, going to the point of connecting, I was searching for alternative therapies for grief counseling. And I came across Reiki which I'd never heard of. I've been health and fitness my whole life, but it wasn't prevalent in the area. I'm in Texas, in Houston, Texas and okay. USA. It wasn't a prevalent uh, modality in this area, or at least I didn't think so. And then I came across a Reiki practitioner soon in months in, and it was like, oh my gosh, there is something to this because she was connecting with Adam. Wow. And I said, I want to learn this because to me it was step one, I need to be able to understand that we are all energy and vibrational energy and that I need to be able to feel him and sense him. So I needed to learn how to get into that, you know, that feeling of his energy versus thinking where he's at, because thinking can take you right out of the game. Well, that's the um, mind. Anything, right? Stops <laughs> and um, multidimensionality. Yeah. So I had a couple of Reiki uh, sessions and I felt wonderful. And I said, I need to learn this. And my sister contacted me and she says, they offered our local junior college and they had been teaching it there for years, like in the adult classes, all these metaphysical classes, which I was not aware of. So I ended up taking it that fall. So this was like months later, I ended up signing up for the course. And now I am the one who teaches it at the local college. Oh, that's amazing. I made full circle, but learning Energy healing for me is what I needed because my instructor, my Reiki master, she was raised Catholic. She was an angel channeler. She was a retired nurse. So she had this background that I could kind of like, it was connect with. It didn't seem so far out there. So woo woo. Yeah. Right? I get the woo woo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so by learning and going through the Reiki courses, I was able to learn how to slow down, to meditate, to go within and connect that way. And it was like, it was a game changer for me. You know, everyone has their own path. There's no right or wrong, but I knew I was on a fast pace because I could feel Adam pushing me. There were these signs all along where to go, what to do constantly. And all I needed to do was follow them and trust that guidance. And um, so it was the passion, my love for Adam that made me just want to follow it. And that, so that's what I did. I just, I'm just feeling in this that you're, you have you in such a desire to reconnect with your son, but you had to believe you could. You had to believe you could do it. And it brought up all those beliefs in me of everything else in my life I didn't believe I could. So it brings up everything, right? All those right. layers. And Adam's layers. a good teacher. <laughs> He's a good teacher. So we flipped roles is really what it is. So Tell me more about synchronicities because synchronicities, I am a big believer of that. What are synchronicities for those? Ooh, I think it's like when we are on our soul path, we just notice these, like these, uh, these street signs that are all around. I am the type that will fight now. I'm in the point, like if I think of, okay, I want to be on the lookout for basketball, something simple as that, a basketball, that will see basketballs all day long. It's just, that's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. So I know that I'm on my soul path. I'm at peace. I'm observing the signs around the universe, how it connects. But some of mine get so like, they will last for days, how everything connects up. And it's like, oh my gosh, you won't, people just would just flip out if they heard some of the funny stories too. I mean, I'd love to hear one if you, if you, if you um, wouldn't mind sharing some sure, one. Sure, sure. And um, 
and also know that being open when you're in grief, you're in a lower vibration. So you're not going to notice the, the signs and synchronicities around you. So for me with the angel channeling, it helped me to reconnect with the archangels and the ascended masters. That's what Reiki taught me was like, Oh, I feel safe talking to the angels and to the archangels and the masters and to Jesus that felt safe. It felt a little bit religious. Like Mm -hmm. I felt safe connecting with them first. It was almost as if you had a direct communication with them. Well, a channel, you just mentioned the word channel, but a direct communication support, a support group on the other side or this side, really, but you're really on this side. Uh, And so that took me to the place of like, well, then I am worthy enough to communicate with Adam. It was a weird process for me that Mm -hmm. I needed to go through is to feel that worthiness. And then it got so into these jovial conversations with the archangels and Jesus that it was like, oh, I thought everything was going to be on a serious level when I connected and communicated. And I was so wrong with that, but I needed to go through that process and and to shift it. Um, So the synchronicity is, oh, from gosh, from day one, Um, even when after his passing, there were constant signs and synchronicities from um, like, I'm, I wish he would send me a feather, just something simple like that. Mm -hmm. And then I would find 12 feathers, you know, in my driveway. But those were just simple ones to kind of boost my energy up a little bit to believe. Okay. So that would go on. So then I spread that around my whole family with the feathers. I have thousands and thousands of feathers. (laughs) I find them every day in weird places in the house or in the, in the vegetable bin at the store or wherever. But um, so different synchronicities, a chain of events where um, hearing things and then they come to fruition too. So sometimes I will hear like a line from the movie, say um, from Ghostbusters, a kid's movie, which was one of Adam's, Mm -hmm. okay? And then I might be in the store and a child will be playing with a Ghostbuster character and saying these lines out loud, playing, they're recreating it. So those kind of synchronicities all the time, it's like, how did, how did they arrange and manipulate the energy to make sure it was right next to that little boy talking about the Ghostbusters with the figurine? But I mean, I, we know that, of course, our higher self is all involved in this. But um, I love how it's like a game of, almost like a game of tag with the synchronicities. They just keep adding up and adding up to more points. And then it's like, I just start laughing and chuckling every time there's another one that's outrageous. And it was just, and I'll just be dumbfounded sometimes, or my husband will come in and say something. And I go, that's exactly what I'm watching on TV. And you just walked in from work and said the exact quote that John Wayne just said on TV. Amazing. It's like the law of attraction. I mean, we do live in a magnetic universe, but um, our thoughts create things. Uh Uh-huh. And bring different people into the synchronicities makes it fun. Uh, um, I was out of town last week with a, a friend or two weeks ago with a friend and we uh, were picking, picking up our rental car. And so I told my girlfriend, I said, let's look at the license plates on the rental car before we sit, decide which one, because I like to, you know, the new, the numerology and I love uh, the sinking numbers, you know? And so I said, okay, we're going to choose this car because it has an 11 on the license plate and none of the other license plates have any synchronicity. Right. <laughs> So we pick and it's, not, it's 511. We get to our destination. We put in the GPS of where we were staying. We didn't put the address in. We just put the location of yeah. the hotel. We get to the hotel. The address is 511 Adams Street. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and we're like, uh, we're like four hours plane ride from here where we were. So it's like all that all day long. And it's just like, this is like magic we're making with these things, you know, with the law of attraction and the synchronicities, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's that wonderful. You just said the word magic, that reassurance that you're on the right track. I'm on the right track and it feels good. So it's uplifting. It's like getting a pat on the back by myself. We all want to feel good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what happens, what happens when we die? When we, sorry, when we leave our physical body? Yes. Um, a lot of my beliefs change, you know, through, as I progress too, as we yeah. all do. We're allowed and to I change. Feel, and the way Adam explains it too, is like he, 
he's telling it two or three different ways, whether this is a vehicle and we expand beyond the vehicle, but we're already outside the vehicle now. We just need to expand more. It's like our, our button on our jeans pop type of thing. Uh, a lot of times he'll explain it as uh, we're a Tupperware bowl with a lid, you know, the lids that you burp yeah. before you put in the fridge and that it's a literally large burp and you expand out of it. You're just into more of you. You're incorporating more of your awareness of, of everything there is, of everything there is exists that exists. And then it's like, sometimes I have these conversations with him as if he is in an still my son in a kind of in a weird place, almost like I'm just having a normal conversation. Mm -hmm. And then other times it's like big things we're talking about. So it varies with that, but he knows what I need, right? So to be able to understand, because some of these concepts, I don't even know how to repeat because they're just too mind blowing. Sure. Because I don't know what to do with that information, right? But um, I believe that we expand into more and that we already are so controlled and so in such tight, restrictive, physical bodies that our, I believe our goal in this life is to be the, the best person we can and to live our passion and to enjoy life and make the world a better place than, than when we came in. But I do believe that it's all right here, just in a different vibration. And sometimes there are times where I astral project or I'm astral traveling and it feels like this is the dream that we're in now. Right. Sometimes it gets really trippy. And then it's like, well, oh boy, I don't know what to do with this information now. Cause it, so I learned just to keep it present and know that we can all connect. I believe everyone has these abilities. I think we were all born with it. It is a vibrational thing of, of tapping in and believing and having that trust and faith. Sure. So, mm -hmm. Um, I'm interested with the non-physical in your opinion, for example, obviously we're talking about Adam here. Does he come and go? Is he, or is he around you all the time? I, it feels at first, I felt like he came in, that he would come for a little while and go, but, but, but maybe that was me. Maybe I was, that's my perception of him coming and going, but 99% of the time I can feel him like right here, almost like he is a shadow like merging into me, you know, like, um, yeah. it's a Tinkerbell, you know, in, yeah, with the shadow, yeah. right. So on. So sometimes it feels like that, but then again, sometimes it feels different. It feels like it's just a radio wave and I'm in it. Hmm. So other times I can feel him kiss me on the cheek. I mean, literally wet where I wipe it and I look at it and then I'm just like, what? <laughs> And then other times it feels like he's all, he's just everywhere around me. Interesting. So it varies. It does vary. And I guess, you know, I, we're think, I, well, I am thinking from my human perspective, but on the other side, we can be in many places at the same time. Mm -hmm. Not just one location. We can bilocate. That's actually the correct term, bilocation. Bilocate, yes. Um, omnipresent, that's right, you know. Uh, being raised Catholic, um, I always believe that Jesus was omnipresent, but like he was the only one <laughs> that was like something silly, a belief that that's yes. what I thought. So I never correlated that we all, I believed we had to earn this eternal life in some way. Mm. So I had to really work through that. And uh, both my parents are in spirit. So they've kind of helped me with that a little bit. Um, and to understand that that religion got me to a certain point. And that's when I started to break away a little bit is what I needed to break away. So I see that everything happened as it should. Um, and what are your thoughts on reincarnation? Mm. Same thing. I waver in that lots of times. I did go, as soon as I started communicating more fully with Adam, I went into some of my past lives, or if you want to call them parallel lives, depending mm -hmm. on your understanding of time, because yeah. that's mind boggling in itself. Yes. And so I went into that really helped me was to, to learn about other lives I had with Adam. So it didn't feel like I had sole ownership of him in this life right. and understanding that we've had uh, multiple lives where our roles have been flipped. Um, one particular 
life is when I caused the accident that he died mm-hmm. and I did not endure the grief. You know, I, I numbed myself, hurt myself. Um, I destroyed myself in that life. So all these other different lives and they come up when I ask for a past life or a parallel life, it helps me to understand where I am in perspective to now. It helps me to relate and say, oh, well, now I know. Like I was able to go in and look at different family members in my life now and go, oh, this is the role they played before, et cetera, et cetera. And it helped me kind of put, them, put it in place and understand how we interact. And it helped me kind of put it, put pieces in place. Pieces yeah. of the puzzle. So yeah. In your opinion, do we do we come here to learn and why do we suffer? I think we're here to learn. I think suffering is an option. I really think suffering. We endure, say, the grief, the loss of a child, but how long you suffer is up to you. We're taught through many religions that there is an afterlife, there is a heaven, but yet when it happens to us, we doubt. We put all our fears up and we go and we shut down instead of moving forward through the grief. So the, not just the grief of a death of a loved one, but I know many families that I work with. I know many couples that I've worked with. And I know individuals say that who have gone through a divorce and have a hard time moving forward after a divorce. This was their catalyst to wake up because a lot of us uh, me and t- me too feel we take on the guilt that we caused it in some way. Did you feel guilty in some oh, way? Oh my you, goodness. Yes. In, I, thought in I, this life? I thought I manifested Adam's life after he died. Really? My because husband thought he manifested Adam's death. Because too. you had thought he had a short life. So you in some way felt responsible for his yes. death. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. I would never have guessed that. Yes. And then I was like, oh, this is surfacing because... I needed to learn to understand that everyone's soul's journey is an individual process. I can't control Adam's journey. I couldn't control it from the get-go, but I felt I did. We all want control. And that's a hard part of this journey in this life is letting go of attachment of control. It was like, you know, expecting everything outward to change. That, that's a really interesting point. And I know that was important for you to mention. We try and control or educate our children in the mold that we want, how, how do we um, remove Ooh. control that we try and attach to our children as a parent or yeah, as a well, lover, learned, as a friend in yeah. general, but particularly children? Yeah. Well, I learned the hard way, didn't I? <laughs> um, and now once I realized that we each have our own soul's journey and then it made me work on my own self-love. So I think a lot of it is, is that introspection of understanding our own self-love because we're wanting everything out there to be peaceful, but we don't have the peace inside. So that was a huge one for me. And almost every person or family that I've worked with, there always comes back to self-love and, 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 and understanding that they are coming from a place of lack. So therefore they want to control everything out there. Very interesting. And this is a a living example. So for someone that has, has a child or children and the child, the child is suffering. What's your advice to the parents? Yes. So if the, if the child is suffering? Yes. Yes. So it, it depends on the, the advice is going in, being able to slow down your thoughts, understanding where these thoughts are coming from. We all want to be the fixer of everyone around us. I love Me that included. word, the fixer. That's fixer. a great, yeah, That's a, the fixer. <laughs> I want to fix everyone else. I don't care what, I don't want to deal with what's going on here. I want to fix everybody out there. <laughs> so I understood that was the mentality that I was brought up in, in that era, you know, of my generation. Uh, and that we want to fix, but I understand we each is teaching other families that we each have our own soul experiences and I want to say lessons, but understandings to go through. So we can be felt, each person can be, have their own self-empowerment. Um, and also pointing out like, where are they in their journey? So for, for instance, if they have a child who is um, say dealing with, struggling with depression, mm-hmm. um, suicidal thoughts, of course, you know, all, uh, uh, there's no limit on what the parent should do to help that child. 
but there is a lot of guilt that a parent takes on thinking, what have I done wrong? What have I done to this child? And this is a huge process to go through. So in turn, the parent needs counseling as well to help them through this because there's something to learn about themselves through this whole process or the dynamics of this family. It wouldn't have worked out as, as it did in this lifetime. All these intricacies of relationships and all the lessons that we learn, the interplay of experiences, a part of, I guess, a part of our soul's journey and our lessons. And I always, I'm of the belief that if we don't learn the lesson in this life or our, one of our parallel lives, however you want to term it, we're going to have to come back and do it again. That was, that's what pushed me in the beginning when I was just starting out and understanding more of how this universe worked. And it was like, oh my God, I don't want to ever go through this again. So I'm going to make sure I get through this grief because I don't want to ever go through this again. You know, thinking it was like, you know, step A to B when I die and then yeah. I start over, do over. It really, but that's what I needed. I needed to push me and I needed to learn and ask and say, well, how did, what did I do differently in that life? So I can learn from this, not just this life. Um, but it also did reflect on how did I handle grief in this life with other loved ones? Mm. It really had to go in there and dig and go, okay, I'm going to learn how to do it differently. Hence the name of the Facebook group, doing it differently uh, to understand that our loved ones continue on and the energy of the planet right now is supporting all this. Everyone is capping into more of their psychic, you know, powers and their, their spite, spidey senses and to be able to connect more with their inner knowing, you know, we're at a place of like self-reflection of uh, this is what I want more in my life. Wonderful. So I'd love to hear about, a little bit more about your and Adam's Facebook group and what, what's posted on there and the support that it offers to, um, sure. well, anyone really, but particularly people that have lost mm -hmm. a loved one. Uh, I was involved in other groups before I started mine. And then I had the fear. It took me a year just to get to the process of starting a Facebook group. It's you know, funny our fears, isn't it? I was there. so scared about doing this podcast originally that people would think I was weird. Right. So now I don't right. care. But, but yeah, you, we go through these stages where we get pushed out of our comfort zone to grow. Yeah. And I remembered, and many a times with different, even with friends and coworkers or whatever. And Jesus said, Sarah, if they loved you before, they're going to continue to love you. You know, you're pushing them out of their comfort zone too. So with the Facebook group, I wanted a, to design a place where Adam and I could easily talk back and channel, or I talk by myself or bring in a celebrity in spirit and just have conversations. This very light, nothing very structured, but very uplifting. Uh, there's, you know, there's so many wonderful grief groups out there, but I wanted something a little bit different, more humorous, more like my personality, more like Adam's personality. Okay. So, um, it's a great group of people. It's uh, everything's very, very positive, uplifting. It's tools and different games and different things that Adam and I have come up with to help others to communicate with their loved ones. And um, whether they choose to use them is up to them, but I, I love to do this daily posts and just other people's means too, I share. Anything to start their day off right or end their day. Uh, these people, probably about 50% of them have had you know, a very close loved one past, but a lot of the other ones have gone through different types of grief, whether it's the loss of a job, um, divorce, or, you know, had big changes in their life. And um, I even have a lot of Adam's friends that are in the group. What a wonderful thing you're doing. It's, it's fantastic. And if, if someone would like to see you um, or have psychic medium counseling with you, are you able to connect with their loved ones who are not in the non-physical Yes, I, I really enjoy it. Um, and the, depending on what they're needing, that's what comes forward. Sometimes it is um, about their soul agreement that comes through in the session. Sometimes it's just me using my psychic senses and looking and balancing their chakras and look to see what's going on. Um, so it, I'm helping them. Adam and I are trying to help them get into a place to be more receptive, you know, and have their radio on so they can yeah. communicate more easily themselves. So it's really a group about, and, the, and my sessions are to self-empower them. I love that because obviously 
I'm just assuming, I'm just making assumptions here, but generally if someone comes to see you, they, they're so focused on the loss of the loved ones that what they really actually need to do is focus on themselves. Focus on themselves. And, and nobody wants, to, we'd like to deflect yes. because it's lots of hurt. It's a lot of hurt. It's so true. You know, and even, you know, after Adam passed, it was very hard for me to get back into my passions, to do what I used to do because I wanted to hurt myself. I felt like if I was moving forward in some way, I was disrespecting him in a weird way yes. or I was letting go or something. Or you so, didn't love him um, as much. The more yeah. you grieved, the more you loved. Right. People and not that I didn't. Yeah. There were many weeks and months where I just plummeted and I was on my knees. There was. But as I trusted my intuition um, and also I started, I used the pendulum through Reiki using the pendulum for balancing chakras. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, I can help use that. I felt like this is my antenna just by holding it, not even using it, but holding it, you know? Mm -hmm. And it gave me that support. And it was like, I knew I needed to be in a better place or higher vibration to be able to connect. So that was like a goal. It was like, okay, I need to focus on my health, which most people when they're in dire straits, they neglect their health. Yeah. And that you know, plays a big part in our vibration. And again, just the tools to give people to raise their vibration, because mm -hmm. I get what you're saying. And, you know, we're on the same level, but people say, well, how do I raise my vibration? It's thinking happy thoughts. That's the easiest yeah. way. Big part is the thoughts. We don't realize how negative thoughts run through our loop, like a hamster wheel in our head at all or, times. Or have a go-to happy thought. Yeah. That you can right. deflect to, because if you say, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about that. You, you do, but just have a go. You do think happy. about it. You do. <laughs> I can say, don't do. think about pink elephants. And you're going to be thinking about pink oh my elephants. God. You won't believe this pink elephant. If we have time, this pink elephant story. This is perfect. The yeah, great segue. I was in Vegas about four years ago uh, for, we were there for a channeling event uh, that my friend was putting on. And then it was mother's day weekend. And so my daughter was going to send me roses but it was cheaper for her to get a flight to Las Vegas than it was for her to order roses. Okay. Oh, so she ends up, I know, right. She can get a, a $90 flight or she could pay a hundred dollars for a dozen roses. So she goes, well, I'm just going to come to Vegas for a couple days. I get the three hour flight. I'll go. So she came to stay with us. Well, we went to this, uh, this psychic show. Uh, his name is Frederick Del Silva. And I think he still performs in Vegas, but the shows are not on right now because mm -hmm. of COVID. And um, we're going up the escalator to go in to hand our tickets. And I just blurt out going up the escalator with my daughter and my friend. Don't worry about the pink elephants. There's something about pink elephants. I just blurted it out for no reason. Yeah. I don't even know how you get these thoughts, but mine came out of my mouth. So we go and we sit down and this, oh, this guy is phenomenal. Like he was reading serial numbers off of dollar bills that other people had. And I mean, it was just phenomenal, amazing man. And then Carrie, my friend gets called up. They're throwing around a Frisbee. Whoever catches a Frisbee gets to go on stage for the next part of it, the next segment. She goes up there and then um, she does a, a, a segue or a segment with him. And then the next segment is, okay, I'm going to throw this out. And whoever catches it gets to come on stage next. He gets, he grabs a pink elephant and he throws it out like a stuffed pink elephant. And you catch it, right? I didn't catch it. Oh, it came down by my feet and I'm looking at it going, oh my God, I don't want to go up there. I don't want to go up there. <laughs> but the point, it was like, it all the synchronicity of like, I had that wish to say it out loud to everyone about the pink elephant riding up the escalator yeah. you know like I was being silly and then all of a sudden he pulls out he went from a frisbee throwing out to a pink elephant so did it. you pick up the pink elephant I didn't pick it up I'll let someone okay. else pick it up I did because I was like You're a bit, were you I, a I bit shy so to go blown. on stage I was shy and I was kind of blown away that what had just happened at that second now I'd be fine but at the moment it was like that's a pink elephant <laughs> that's a pink elephant yeah. But I did get to meet him after the show. So here's the cool part. After the show, they said, if you would like to get his autograph, he will be downstairs at the bottom of the elevator afterwards. And my friend goes, oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to wait in line. I said, no problem. It's okay. We, you know, it's all right. We go down the elevator. There's no one in line. There's one person walking up to him. So we were right there. So I go up to him and I am just like so enamored because about 
uh, the pink elephant. Now we're trying to explain it. My girlfriend's trying to explain it. And then he goes, um, and I said, I, you know, my son passed, he's in spirit. And he goes, he pulls out a card, a business card. And he goes, I got a message coming down the escalator to write this name down and it's for you. And he gave me the card and he wrote Adam on it. Oh my gosh. I've got goosebumps. That's unbelievable. And so he gives yeah. it to me and I'm like, oh, you know, in tears is mother's day. Oh. Right. It was only like the second oh second or yeah, third yeah. mother's day my daughter's crying because she got to witness all this beautiful thing that just happened with this neat show like we can't top this one off um and she's calling everybody to tell everybody on the it's cell amazing. phone right and i'm just like oh my goodness i'm so excited you know and i gave him a hug and then he looked at me in the, in the eyes and he looked at me and made a direct look and he goes you understand and you know how this works don't you and i said yes what a lovely guy. That's, yeah. that's a beautiful message. Yeah. I just want to touch that. I love that story, the pink elephant. I just want to touch briefly on your mediumship. How do you, you probably can't explain it. How do you connect with uh, deceased or people, non-physical entities that have left their physical body. See, I can't even talk now. <laughs> um, um, how do you connect? What do you do? Do you meditate? I mean, obviously you mentioned the Reiki, but to yes. do it at will, how, how, how does one right. do it? Well, at first it took a lot of practice to get to the point to do it at will because I was very regimented and that's what another thing Adam taught me. Uh, when you go through grief or anything traumatic, it was, I didn't realize I was living a very rigid or regimented life. I needed to be more flexible and on the fly, you know, be more spontaneous and just go with the feelings versus it has to be, you know, in book order. But uh, the Reiki helped me to feel for them, for feel for spirits. And then I'm quite strong in my vision, you know, my third eye vision. So that really helped me because I would feel for whoever was here or ask. I could start with saying, Archangel Michael, I would love to get a message you know, either to hear or to write out. And um, I might get a vision of him, like say one of the angel cards or something. So then I would know it was him, but I would try to feel what was he felt like and kind of like put that into my box. Okay, feel that's how your, he feels like. Feel it in yeah. your heart. Yes. Yeah. And the hard thing often, um, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but people also ask me, how do I know it's not my mind just thinking these things? That's the doubt. That's the doubt. We yeah. have. Because I think we're, we've been so regimented our whole life. We've been graded by our teachers. We've been told what to do and we need approval from everything. But then when you really, you got to really start trusting yourself and you can tell by how your body feels. That's a huge one. How does my body feel when I'm connecting? Does it feel off? It's almost like I get this extra vibration, you know, like the, the, that life force energy when you're vibrating, yeah. you know, you're on. When you feel like it's cut off or all of a sudden like they're gone, then you know that's like, oh, that's not right. Let me kind of feel for it. So I like to help other people by practicing by closing your eyes and like you can put earplugs in or just doing this and pretending like you've cut off all your senses. Now, now just feel, feel for what's going on. Who are you trying to connect with? Um, a lot of times too, whether they're giving me the nudge or I am thinking of that person, then they come through or it's vice both ways, you know? So I have a message to give someone at that time too. But a lot of times it will be start with a visual because I'm, that's my strongest. Mm -hmm. And then the hearing, the knowing, and then we can talk about whatever it's their recipe for their favorite, you know, peanut butter cookie recipe that comes through or whatever it is. Um, but it takes a lot of practice. I think it's just, everything is just the practice. And so it was very, I was very fearful to come out and it was like right before Adam's second angel anniversary. Uh, um, I started doing angel messages and Reiki healing. I was afraid to even call myself a medium or to go, with, you know, to go to that place because I didn't want that label. I, I get it. <laughs> they want that label and I want people Googling me and everything else. And, uh, and then it, I just kept practicing and practicing. And there's still days that I was like, oh, I know I could have gone even deeper, like followed that thread even deeper, you know? Mm. So, um, but I think it's constant. It's a constant expansion, no matter what. 
constant expansion. That's, that's just, it's a great way to explain it, feel and, and obviously practice. Nothing happens instantly. No, a lot of people want it to be like, oh, I went to college and I got my degree and now I'm set. And it doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Really practicing and getting into an intuitive circle. I did that for about two years with my, a lot of my Reiki people that I went to, to classes with. And that helped because you felt safe with them. You know, there wasn't. And I also did, oh, here's another neat one. Here's another neat story. So this was about four months after Adam passed. I started looking around at other famous mediums because I thought there were only certain mediums out there, you know, and um, I looked up John Edward and James Van Prock because I wanted to join their email list. Yeah. And I wanted to see if they were having any events in our city. So when I went in to be added to the email list for James Van Prague, that little box would come up and it would have like all the swirly letters and numbers to show that you're not a robot, you know? Yeah. I went to type it in. Mine came up S-O-N. And I looked at it and I just, my body just lit up with goosebumps. And it was I've got like, goosebumps again now. <laughs> your truth bumps. And it was like, oh my God, I am supposed to be going to this workshop. I am supposed to be going. I am on the right track. And so I, I wanted to get up and get my phone to take a picture of it, but I was afraid to move. I was afraid that it was going to go away because I just kept staring at it and blinking and staring at it, but it came up S-O-N, you know, clear. It wasn't even, it wasn't even wavy. It was just clear, clear mm -hmm. font. And so, um, and then I went to the James Vian Prague workshop, the mediumship workshop for, that was like a two or three day event. And that was like, so fabulous for me. I needed to be around like-minded people who are all wanting the same thing to connect. Yeah. And he's a lovely man. It was a small group, probably only on 200, 300. Um, and then we all worked individually with strangers that were there and had to do practice readings. So we had to get out of our element. And I was actually pretty good at the practice readings. And I was only like five or six months into the grief. And it was like, Oh my gosh, I am doing it. So I needed that reassurance the that push. I was doing something that I never thought in a million years I'd be doing. And all these other people too. So the energy of the room was fabulous. I felt safe. You know, it was, um, we did meditation. So everyone felt clear. Um, it was just such a yummy feeling that I wanted to feel that again. So I kept striving for that because I was, other people were giving me messages from Adam. Wow. That's great. Strangers. And so I said, well, maybe this is something I'm going to be doing in the future. Okay. Because I had gone to a mediumship. Um, well, actually I went to a medium six weeks after Adam passed. I felt this pull to go. So I did go, I went for, um, they were booking. It was like at a hotel conference room. And they still have it to this day. It's been going on for years this hotel conference room once a month. And you pay like $20 for 20 minutes at the time. And you go pick a medium or an astrologer, whomever to sit with. And so that was six weeks after Adam passed. And that really flipped me because he gave me some validations that just, I went from going in where I felt like so heavy, so deep, so dark. I came out and I was smiling. And it was like, oh my God, he truly is alive. I needed, you know, a I've got goosebumps again. <laughs> truth bumps, truth bumps. Yes. And so it was like, I think I'm going to be doing this in a weird way, but I didn't know how. No, so, but that's that. You allowed the unfolding of it. You surrendered to it. Yes. And not wanting to control it. Yes. I mean, there's times I wanted to control it for well, sure. We like control. <laughs> that's part of our humanness. Because anyone who's going through grief, you just want you just want to hurry up and get it over with. It's like you just want someone to hit you over the head with the ball bat <laughs> and wake you up in six months or whatever. It doesn't work that way. And almost like give me a date or a time when this is going to end, but no, you don't know. No, and we have all these triggers that come up, so it's to process every trigger that comes up. You know, um, Adam worked really hard with me on that because he was struck by a piece of uh, construction equipment. So. Um, in those few weeks and few months after, of course, I saw that piece, same kind of uh, construction equipment everywhere, you know, all over the city, no matter what. And then I, then I start feeling him, like he would be, buzz me with energy. 
Like he will do it like the size of a small coin somewhere on my body to look. So like, if there's something to, I'm on the road driving, if he wants me to look to the right to notice something, he'll buzz me on my right arm because I'm busy driving. So I'll look to the right and there would be like this piece of a construction equipment or whatever. And of course, at first I would cry, but then it's like, wait, I'm connecting with Adam and he's telling me to look at it. So it's to work through this trigger. Yeah. Did you so. get to a point where you just could not cry any more tears? Mm-hmm. Did. I can go back into all those memories and go back into all the event, but I'm in a higher place when I go yes. in. It's almost looking at it like a movie as an yes, experience. Exactly. It's what it feels like a lot of times. And a lot of times I've had uh, many people I've known that have passed in this past six months and it, same thing. It feels like it's, I'm in a movie. Well, wait, I was just talking to him the other day and now they transition and I'm talking to him from another place. What is that? Yeah, it is. It's um, so I've gone through a lot of deaths and funerals, even since Adam has passed, but it's, I completely have changed my outlook and understanding and I'm more at peace and I'm usually connecting and talking to the deceased person before I even get to the funeral. So it's, it's shifted completely, completely. Like I'm almost a a different person. Well, you are a different person. I am a different person. Sarah, it's been such a delight to have you on the show. Is there something you'd finally like to, without me asking other questions, would would you like to talk to the Passion Harvest audience about something? Yes. So just know that whatever you're going through, just know and trust and have faith. It's digging deep in. You know you have this soul pulling, you know, from your heart all the way through your gut to to pull you forward to know that um, there is a reason that you are viewing and watching Louisa's shows. There's a reason there's a calling for you much bigger than what you are feeling right now. And to follow those, those nuggets, follow those dots, follow your passion. Beautiful message, Sarah Kajawa. I said it right. (laughs) Um, Anyone that would like to connect with Sarah, all your details will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing your incredible journey and what a light worker you are in the world. Oh, thank you. And And thank thank you to Adam as well. Oh, he says you're welcome. (laughs) <laughs> then anytime anytime okay. thank you so much thank you bye that is the end of our passionate episode thank you so much for listening and please subscribe leave a review tell your friends and spread the passion as always every day may you be more and more passionate <laughs>